You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It came down to the wire, but the United States, Mexico and Canada clinched a new trade deal late last night. The agreement in principle comes after more than a year of intense negotiations. Aaron MacArthur has a look at the winners and losers and what it means to BC. At Eagle Acres Dairy Farm in Langley, the news of the new free trade deal hit hard. It's not helpful for the Canadian da dairy farms, and family farms is what it boils down to. The federal government negotiated away just more than 3.5% of Canada's milk supply to U.S. producers. It doesn't sound like much, but it's not the first time Brian Anderson's quota has been skimmed. We added up all the percentages in the last trade agreements, the Trans-Pacific and also the Canadian-European trade. Uh, we are losing market share each time. Uh, it doesn't mean that the public's going to get their dairy products on the store shelves cheaper. According to experts, it's likely the processors that will see the benefits, buying cheaper bulk milk products to sell in Canada at higher markups. What's more, the federal government has promised dairy farmers compensation. The federal government really means you and me and taxpayers. We're going to compensate our dairy farmers through the quota that I have bought and that they will not be able to use. Where BC consumers might see a bargain at the grocery store is in the wine aisle. By next year, shelves that are exclusively reserved for BC wine will have to make room for US products. But according to trade lawyer Shay Colson, the ramifications of the free trade deal likely mean international wines will also squeeze out BC bottles. It's simply not, in my view, possible for the government to only open up the, um, the licenses to United States wine. They will, they, if they do that, they will face trade challenges from those other nations. The trade deal, once ratified, could be revisited every six years. Now that U.S. products are starting to penetrate the market, just more opportunity for Canadian agriculture producers to lose a bigger share. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, the new deal sending the Canadian dollar soaring today. Optimism pushing the loony to 78 cents U.S. Grace Key looks at the likely impact on cross-border shopping and whether the changes in the new agreement add up to a good deal for consumers. The Canadian dollar soared to a four-month high after news hit that the U.S. and Canada reached a deal to replace the North American Free Trade Agreement. The loony hit 78 cents U.S. The question now, is this going to be a short-term rally for the dollar? So there is some support for the loony, uh, but the factors still remain. You know, we are a long way from freer trade. It's sort of NAFTA 2.0 with no major changes. So maybe this rally is short-lived for the Canadian dollar. If you shop online, the new trade deal will save you money. Right now, if you ship an item from the U.S. to Canada worth more than $20, it can be subject to tax and duties, and that amount hasn't changed since 1985. Under the new deal, items worth at least $150 would be subject to duties. This does depend on the type of item and where it was made. But let's say you shipped a pair of shoes to yourself and they came out to $100 Canadian. With taxes and duty, you'd pay about $34. Under the new deal, you'd pay just $12 in taxes. You could also get your items shipped to you faster than before. That's because customs agents don't have as much paperwork for items worth less than $150. 
And whenever the Canadian dollar drops, less travelers are heading to the U.S. This recent rise in the dollar may still not be quite enough to send us packing. It seems like the magic number in people's mind, that point where we see the needle move and more Canadians head back down to the U.S. is once it reaches about 20%. While a stronger dollar and the thought of no duty may be good news for shoppers, Canadian retailers will be bracing to see how much this will hurt their bottom line. Grace Key, Global News. Now, if you want more information on the new deal, you can log on to our website, globalnews.ca slash bc, for a closer look at the key details. Approval for a massive LNG project is looming tonight. All indications are that Shell and its partners are going to greenlight a $40 billion plant in Kitimat. Keith Baldry joins us now. And Keith, this will be the biggest private investment ever in B.C., possibly even in Canada. Also the worst kept secret. Yeah, it's been on the, on the works for some time. It was off, then it was on. Um, and tomorrow we're going to get the final word whether uh, LNG Canada, which is a consortium of a number of energy companies, notably Shell and Petronas, are going to give the green light to the final investment decision. There's expected to be an announcement at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Premier John Horgan is going to be going there. There's going to be federal representation. The mayor of Kitimat's there. Uh, they're not in town just for uh, out of coincidence. It's because the expectation is this is a huge project going forward. The numbers are staggering. And Michelle Mungo, the energy minister, touched on a few of them. And Andrew Wilkinson, again, uh, some of the backstory here, there's a bit of a squabble going on between the B.C. Liberals and the NDP. Who should get credit for getting this project over the finish line? Here's the two of them. We're looking at $23 billion in revenue to B.C. We're looking at 10,000 jobs uh, throughout the north and whether it's uh, in the northeast in uh, in the oil and gas fields or right down to uh, tidewater. And so uh, this would be a huge economic opportunity for British Columbia. We think it's kind of sad that the NDP would try to score cheap political points on what is probably the biggest industrial investment in Canadian history. This is an opportunity for all British Columbians to celebrate, and it shouldn't be uh, the task of the NDP to cause trouble and score cheap points. All right, any uh, glitches, possible glitches, either before the announcement tomorrow or afterwards once it's green-lighted? Well, well, you know, First Nations have supported this uh, pipe, uh, the pipeline route all of, uh, the way from the northeast to the terminus area. But there is a sort of a, 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 a bit of a protest camp at the terminus area that's been very defiant, saying they will not leave. So that has to be dealt with at some point. Secondly, Andrew Weaver, we don't have a, uh, didn't show him tonight, but the Green Party leader firmly opposes the whole concept of bringing an LNG industry into B.C. In the past, he said he'll defeat the government over that issue. His first kick at that can will come next spring. We'll see if he's up to a threat he's uttered previously. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. A landslide near the Site C Dam prompting an evacuation order and alert in northeastern B.C. The slide has isolated the small town of Old Fort, with the only road to the community shut down yesterday when the hillside began to give way. That forced the evacuation of at least two properties. However, according to the Peace River Regional District website, there is no immediate risk to the community of 30 homes. Geotechnical experts expect it could be days before the earth stops moving. BC Hydro, which is responsible for the Site C project, says it is monitoring the situation, but that there is no evidence this slide is linked to construction. Speed is believed to have been a factor in a fatal crash involving a car full of teenagers near Caramillos. The group was coming home from a bush party early Sunday morning when the driver lost control, rolling the vehicle several times. Shelby Tom spoke to the father of one of the survivors about what likely saved his life. 
Debris and glass scattered for meters, vehicle parts strewn across the grass. This is all that's left in the wake of a single vehicle rollover near Carameas that claimed the life of a local teenager. RCMP say just before 2.30 a.m. Sunday, officers were called to the 2400 block of Upper Bench Road. The driver, 17-year-old Logan Anderson Fraser, was ejected from the vehicle. He died later in hospital. A 15-year-old female passenger was also thrown from the vehicle. Friends telling Global News she was airlifted to a Vancouver hospital in grave condition, and her family has traveled there to be by her side. Two other passengers, a 14-year-old female and a 17-year-old male, suffered minor injuries. My son's absolutely destroyed. Gary Snow is the father of one of the crash survivors. I said they were doing a high rate of speed. He said that they lost control. I believe it was raining. And then he just said uh, they just started rolling. Snow says the teens were returning from a bush party in Coston. His son was wearing a seatbelt, but police say the driver and seriously injured passenger were not. Do you believe that a seatbelt saved your son's life? A seatbelt most definitely saved my son's life. At Similkameen Secondary, students are reeling. A memorial is set up in the victim's parking stall. He's being remembered as a kind and gentle soul, a lover of dirt biking and hockey. Just a great kid. The school district has brought in grief counselors. With such a small school, it's going to have an impact because everybody's connected, but at the same time, everyone's pulling together to support one another. The cause of the crash remains under investigation. With respect to whether speed uh, was a factor of distracted driving, these are the types of things that we'll be looking at. Shelby Tom, Global News. New Westminster police want to know if you recognize an irate customer caught on video at Tim Hortons. This is surveillance video from the evening of September 6th. Police say the man ordered an iced cap from the Tim Hortons on Carnarvon Street. The suspect then complained to staff that the order was wrong before insulting them and then pouring the drink all over the place. He proceeded to verbally abuse the staff and push the cash register off the counter before taking off. Police allege he also kicked and punched another customer on the way out who tried to intervene. Anyone who recognizes this man is asked to contact New Westminster Police. A North Vancouver strata is taking some firm action against an owner's blatant disregard for the law. She's been using her townhome as a multi-bed hostel, ignoring every ruling that's told her to stop. As John Wall reports, the application is calling for tough measures, including potentially forcing her to lose her home. Yeah, that's right. The owner of the Oasis House Hostel is likely going to be heading back to court. That is because the strata here has filed an application of contempt of court against Emily Yu, stating that she has failed to obey the rulings of a civil resolution tribunal, asking her to stop using her townhome for short-term accommodations and also paying the fines owed to her strata. Now, within this contempt of court application, on top of upwards of $34,000 in fines and repayment of all legal costs, the Strata is also proposing that you be removed from this unit, even kept away from the Strata complex via restraining order. And also, if you fails to adhere to any of the future orders that come from the contempt of court hearing, the Strata is asking for the ability to sell her townhome. Well, her pattern of behavior is exactly why that is a possible outcome and potentially an appropriate one. She promises to comply and then doesn't. She agrees to do things and doesn't. She She's definitely a very difficult person to deal with in that sense. I never did anything wrong because uh, my services is already started before the strata changed the rule. I qualify for the grandfathering clause. So are you, are you still going to be renting rooms out of the Oasis house? In the meantime, 
I'm going to have my family a friend, not a renting out. Now, this isn't the only court action that you is currently facing. The city of North Vancouver filed a petition to get you to stop violating their city bylaws and fire code regulations. You did file a response refuting all of those claims. The city says it is working on its response, and that should be filed sometime this week. Back to you. All Thanks, right, John. John. Thank you. Right now, though, tonight's Consumer Matters report might have you pulling out your latest B.C. Hydro bill. And Druid joins us with the story of a woman who paid too much for more than a decade and then finally caught the mistake. Anne? And thanks for that, Sophie. That's right. A B.C. woman is reminding us why we need to read our bills carefully. Turns out she was being overcharged on her B.C. Hydro bill since 2004. Hydro acknowledged an error was made, but this customer hit a roadblock when it came to getting a full refund. I did kept all my bills for the 14 years we've lived here. That attention to detail paid off for Sandra Shuck, the Savannah resident living outside of Kamloops, discovering a serious error on her BC Hydro bill in January 2018. There was a notation on my January bill saying that I was a business. And I said, I'm, I'm not a business. I'm just a single family dwelling on acreage. Sandra says the notation stated she was the sole proprietorship, a designation she says was not listed on any of her previous bills, which meant there was no way of her knowing she was being overcharged until it surfaced. She contacted Hydro immediately. I said I've been charged incorrectly all this time since I moved here 14 years ago. Sandra says BC Hydro admitted to the overcharging error, but says it would only correct the billing rate back to January 2018 due to company policy. I told him it, it's, it's been wrong ever since I came here. But he said our policy is only to go back to the time that you call in about it. Sandra also says Hydro promised to come out to her property, but no one ever came. Frustrated, she reached out to Consumer Matters for help. I thought, well, who am I going to go to to try and get it back to the very beginning because it was wrong from the day I moved in here. So I decided to go to Consumer Matters, and in three days' time, I had an answer. BC Hydro telling Consumer Matters the original customer at the premise was a commercial customer. And when the current customers moved in, they built a home on the property. But when a new home is built on a property, the developer or contractor is supposed to reach out to BC Hydro so the rate can be updated, which Hydro says did not happen. We went back over 16 years of records and there's no indication that the contractor or developer ever reached out to us. So at the end of the day, there's no fault on BC Hydro, but we can't fault the customer either. The contractor or developer didn't do their job here and unfortunately they were overcharged as a result. BC Hydro says the Shucks have since received a credit of a few thousand dollars. Sandra Shuck relieved the fight to get a resolution finally over. I'd like to say thank you very much because I just thought they would never give it to us, ever. We did reach out to the developer about this, but we did not receive a response. As for Hydro collecting the funds from the developer, it says this is an issue that dates back about 14 years, and it's something Hydro says they will have to look at carefully before they take any next steps. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Good work, Anne. Well, that's going to leave a mark, and in fact it did. A humpback whale cracks the window of a whale protection boat operated by Life Force Ocean Friends. It was one of two curious whales who to check out the boat by poking their heads above water several times to get a better look. Life Force had shut off its engines at this point to protect the whales, 
After taking a few more looks, the humpbacks swam off. Neither whales nor humans were injured during this close encounter. Just the boat. Just the boat. Don't know how expensive a boat window is, but I bet it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. A nonprofit gymnastics club in North Vancouver says it is worried about its future, claiming the city is forcing it to move into a smaller venue. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, the club itself is also under fire, accused of playing politics with the issue. Gymnastics is a popular sport in North Vancouver, where more than 2,000 kids practice their moves on the floor, bars, and beam with the FICA club. I like bars. I like floor. Flicka is located at the Harry Jerome Rec Center, but when it's replaced with a new $237 million facility, the not-for-profit will be relocated to Mickey McDougal Rec Center, which the club says is too small. At this point in time, we are not included in that, um, in that new development, and we've been proposed to move to an adjacent site that does not meet our, our current need. It's actually 30% smaller than our current existing space. In an effort to pressure the city to reconsider, the club held a press conference. Current councillors attended, including mayoral hopeful Rod Clark. What I don't like is negotiating in front of cameras. I don't like to be sandbagged, especially on the eve of an election. Uh, what you saw in there is power politics. Uh, and I understand the frustration of Flicka. They're a volunteer board. They were supposed to actually negotiate this morning on signing their lease. That's how close they were. But they cancelled that meeting with the city staff. My understanding is that you were due to sign a lease this morning. Is that correct? That is not correct. Um, we did pass a motion with our board to enter into negotiations to begin discussing a lease, but we had been asked to make decisions based on the move to Mickey McDougal before we had full information from the city. With the municipal election only weeks away, the club clearly bending over backwards to change council's decision. Its young members seemingly unaware their center stage in a game of politics. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Searchers in the city of Palu, Indonesia, find a woman in her 20s alive in the rubble of a collapsed building. She had been trapped since Friday's earthquake and tsunami. Other victims have also been rescued, but hundreds and possibly thousands did not survive. Many victims are buried quickly in mass graves to prevent disease. More than 840 people are so far confirmed dead, but that number will undoubtedly rise as search teams reach more remote areas. Hundreds of thousands are homeless and need immediate help. The FBI investigation into sexual assault allegations against U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh will be a little more wide-ranging. The White House has given the Bureau clearance to interview anyone it wants, as long as it's before the Friday deadline. President Trump doing little to define the scope of the investigation into Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. I think the FBI should interview anybody that they want within reason. But you have to say within reason. While he ordered the new background check, he says the terms are being dictated by senators, specifically Senate Republicans. But I'm instructing them as per what I feel the Senate wants. The Senate's making this decision. The White House initially directing the FBI to question only four witnesses, but today bending to mounting pressure, authorizing the questioning of anyone necessary with a deadline this Friday. Senate Democrats identifying two dozen potential interview subjects. The president signaling he is open to more witnesses, but the investigation, he says, needs to move fast. We don't want to go on a witch hunt, do we? 
When asked about this moment from Kavanaugh's testimony. I liked beer. I still like beer. President Trump admitting even he was caught off guard. I was surprised at how uh, vocal he was about the fact that he likes beer. And he's had a little bit of difficulty. And he mused about his own lifelong decision not to drink. Can you imagine if I had what a mess I'd be? Would I be the, I'd be the world's worst. The president saying he is keeping an open mind. I'm waiting just like you. Certainly, if they find something, I'm going to take that into consideration. Casting himself as a spectator, too. Lane Alexander, NBC News, Washington. A flock of doves soared above Las Vegas this morning, each bird bearing a leg band with the name of one of the 58 people who died there one year ago today. The sunrise ceremony kicking off a day of memorials, prayer services, blood drives, and dedications to commemorate the lives lost in the worst mass shooting in American history. The city's giant casino marquees will go dark in unison tonight with the names of the victims to be read shortly thereafter. A Manitoba woman who was shot during the massacre made her way back to Vegas today, not just for the commemoration, but to thank the three people who saved her life. I love you. Three simple words from three strangers brought together through unimaginable pain. It was just uh, very emotional, very emotional. Um, we're like sisters. Jody Ansel was hit by a bullet during the Las Vegas shooting. Memories that still haunt the Manitoba woman. I just hear that sound. It's been really hard. I mean, I have a lot of triggers that still haunt me from that night. Um, certain songs, certain noises. Um, Jody was among the thousands of people running for their lives that night, searching for help, bleeding. It was in that moment she met her angels. This girl's in the middle of the street, and you can hear her yelling, I've been shot. And she's holding up her arm, and blood's just gushing out of her arm. I took off my shirt and um, made a tourniquet, tied it around her arm as tight as I could. She just continued to stare at me, and all I could do is stare back at her and tell her, you're okay, we're going to be okay, we're going to be okay. Patrol officer Tony DeLorso was Jody's next guardian angel, rushing her to the hospital. It probably took me a good 10 minutes to get her out there. It's the longest 10 minutes of my life. You could see that she was fading. I, you know, I mean, for lack of a better word, she was fading. One year later, Jody is almost physically healed. But this trip to Las Vegas was to help heal the emotional scars. 365 days, thousands of kilometers, and bonds that can't be broken. Brittany Greenslade, Global News, Las Vegas. Rescuers in Argentina had to bring in the heavy equipment to help rescue a beached whale. More than 30 people were involved in the two-day mission on the Mar del Tuyu Beach, south of Buenos Aires, after the 10-meter-long whale was carried into the ocean on a special harness attached to an excavator. A boat guided the whale back into the open ocean. Well, today is the start of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's the most common type of cancer found in B.C. women, with around 3,500 receiving a breast cancer diagnosis every year. 
Research shows a 25% reduction in deaths among those who screen regularly. In July, BC marked 30 years of its breast screening program, the first of its kind in Canada. Now they're taking the lead by being the first province to let women know their breast density. Jennifer Palma has more on how that knowledge can help women make better health decisions. For Victoria Alquaz, being physically fit is a part of her life. Only real kind of jewel that we really have is our health. Victoria focused on her health after her mom died 18 years ago from an aggressive cancer that spread through her body. It pushed Victoria to decide to get a mammogram every two years. Screening is a lifestyle. It's the same as saying as going to the hairdressers or going to donate for, for blood. One in eight women will develop breast cancer in their lifetime. British Columbia is helping women make better health choices by being the first province to tell women their breast density. And that's why we hope that what we do here in British Columbia will become a model for activity and action across the country. But what is breast density? Well, it's not something you can feel or see. It can only be measured by a mammogram. This area, outlined in red, is, is unfortunately a cancer. And you can see that in terms of how white they are, they're very similar. As density increases, so does the chance of cancer. However, density and cancer both appear as white on a mammogram, making it hard to get a diagnosis. It's like looking for a snowball in a snowstorm. And this is one where the cancer is very difficult to see. Uh, here it is circled in red. But you can understand now why it's tougher to find this one as opposed to over here. Uh, where it's surrounded by dark gray. The hope is this knowledge will empower women and, if necessary, lead to a discussion about a course of action. Our recommendation is not to offer additional testing based on um, the observation of, a, of dense breasts at, on a screening mammogram. If a woman should notice um, any change in her breast, any symptoms, then that uh, supersedes having had a normal mammogram and she needs to, to discuss that with her provider. It's knowledge Victoria wants to have to make informed health choices. This is one way of empowering ourselves, you know, do take care of ourselves, do take care of our, our health, and then we could carry on giving and doing the things that we love. The province will begin telling women what their breast density is by mid-October. Jennifer Palma, Global News. But did he pay his tab? That's what we need to know. All right, right before we get to Christy, snow might not be a regular sight in most parts of BC yet, but as of today, you will need snow tires on most highways. This is what it looks like in the community of 70 Mile today. Highway 97 closed for a time because of an accident. Snow tire weather is getting closer all the time. Approved tires carry either the three-peaked mountain and snowflake symbol or the mud and snow, the MS symbol. Failing to have winter tires on most highways, including from Squamish to Whistler, could net you a $109 fine. And you could be turned around and prevented from getting where you're going. Keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. And it's just safer. It is. That's it's just right. better. Who Christy, wants to get stuck? The first, the first uh, indication we have of snow on the lower mainland, though, there will be a run on snow tires for sure. <laughs> oh, yes, that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, it always happens. You're, you guys are some of them, aren't you? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> you mean I need snow tires? Yes. Everyone should be thinking about it. It's October now. Start thinking about getting your snow tires now before they're all gone. Waking up to snow. So as uh, we showed you earlier, yes, a lot of snow in the Caribou region from Clinton all the way up to 100 Mile House and some damage. The snow was so heavy. Trees coming down. 
down in, on cars. Thanks to Jamie for this shot. And I have some little guys here that were helping clean up and having a little snow day at their daycare. All right, so great photos. Thank you to everyone. That snowfall is going to continue. Another wave starting to push down into your area. 100-mile area could see another 15 centimeters by tomorrow afternoon. If you're in the Chilcotin region, another 10 centimeters by tomorrow morning. And yes, that means it will affect Highway 97 again, starting tonight, right through the morning hours tomorrow. It's because we have this cold Arctic air that's plunging across the province, and this low-pressure center continues to track across the south. That cold air will push into far southern regions. Snow levels are going to drop, and that means we are expecting snow on most mountain highways starting tomorrow morning, more likely towards the afternoon hours as those temperatures drop, but it includes the Sea to Sky Highway near Whistler all the way down to Hope Princeton and especially the Revelstoke area. So here's how much snow we could see. And again, this is by tomorrow afternoon, 25 centimeters for Rogers Pass, Connector 15, Coquihalla and Allison Pass up to four. And yes, in Whistler, up to five centimeters for that area there. And that means the temperatures will drop across the lower mainland too. So it's 15 degrees right now. We're going to drop to 13 overnight. Showers expected. Tomorrow morning, a chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorms. And the temperatures stay at 11 throughout the afternoon hours. But we will see a clearing trend with some sunshine later on. Uh, cold but sunny across the north, across the south, continuing with showers and a thunderstorm expected. Down through Merritt, that's where we could see snow over higher terrain in areas like Kamloops as well. And yes, unsettled through the morning hours across the south coast. Breaks of sunshine towards the end of the day. Drier but a little chilly across Wednesday and Thursday, especially at night where we'll be dropping down to three degrees. Now, while some areas enjoying uh, winter this morning, a lot of areas still enjoying fall. And this is from Hazleton. Beautiful. Thank you. Very nice. Well, an unexpected surprise for people in a sports bar in Chantilly, France. Security video shows staff and customers scrambling to safety when a horse from a nearby racing stable crashes into the cafe. Its saddle hanging from its side, the horse does remarkably little damage as it stampedes through the restaurant. Didn't even appear knocked down. Uh, no, it didn't really <laughs> knock down a table or chair at all. Now, luckily, it didn't happen five minutes earlier because uh, quite a number of people left the cafe to catch a train uh, just before the horse stormed That in. makes me laugh. The horse was fine. Horse was fine. The guy in blue, boy, he had wheels. <laughs> he did, <laughs> actually, yeah. He was faster than the horse. He I should have bet on him. <laughs> Squire's here now with a look at uh, the sports. That's like an old bad joke. A horse <laughs> walks into a bar, and the guy exactly. says, why the long face? <laughs> Oh, that was a fast range <laughs> shot. Thank you. Well Mike. done, Justin. Okay. Yeah, well Is that done. Justin? I'm not sure, but whoever it was was brilliant. <laughs> it's like Animal from the Muppets. It is. It is We're like, about yeah. But Animal, like on some serious, <laughs> animal was serious pharmaceuticals. Serious yeah. stuff. He was. We're talking about Gritty, the Flyers mascot. That's right. Yeah. Um, the last team Dave Gagne, Dave Gagne, ever played for in the NHL was the Vancouver Canucks. And his son, Sam, may follow the same pattern because if he doesn't land on any other NHL rosters, the Canucks might be the last team Sam Gagne plays for as well. He was put on waivers today, so was Darren Archibald. Gagne, of course, brought in as a free agent last year to be a power play specialist and add to the Canucks offense, but he did neither. I said all summer, though, that I said if our young players come in and they show that they're ready to play, you know, we want to give them an opportunity. And I thought uh, Goldobin... 
um, Leipzig and Mott, they had good camps, and so we want to see them some more. A little bit. Gagne's out of the box for Vancouver. It's a Jim Benning staying true to his word meant the end of the line for Sam Gagne. A season into a three-year, $9.45 million contract, Gagne's time in Vancouver is over. A forgettable 10-goal, 31-point campaign, soon to be buried in the minors if no other NHL team claims him on waivers. You know, Sam's he's a good veteran guy that's been in this league a long time. He's a good teammate. Uh, he's been a good, you know, he's been a good, good guy here for a year, and it's hard to let those kind of let guys like that go. But we felt like it was the the right decision right now with where our team's at and where our organization's at. Where this organization is at is staying the course on developing and playing its young talent. The Canucks want to be a quick, young, fast-paced hockey team with a heavy emphasis on young. So in order to make room for guys like Nikolai Goldobin, Brendan Leipzig, and Tyler Mott, who will all start the year here in Vancouver, swallowing hard on some veteran contracts might happen more often than not. You know, we're, we're not a team that's sitting there and thinking about winning the Stanley Cup this year and adding maybe a piece or two. We're trying to improve. We're trying to get younger. We want our younger players to take steps. Uh, but the ball's in their court. You know, I want to give the young players opportunity, and that will come at different times. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Like With these young kids coming now that we have in our system, you know, this could happen more and more going forward because when these young kids are ready to play, we're going to have to make tough decisions in moving older players out to, to give them a chance to play. The Canucks open up the regular season Wednesday at home against Calgary. Jay Janowa, Global Sports. I'm beginning to think that Jim Benning <laughs> is Barry DeLay's older brother, like a bit older. 20 years older. Yeah. The uh, logo is a C, but will that be the only C on Canuck uniforms this year? Never in Canucks history have they not had a captain. One year they had rotating captains, but someone has always wore a C. We probably won't know until tomorrow what the decision is on the captaincy this year, but if you're a betting man or woman, no captain might be the situation for the Canucks. Maybe they'll have just a few assistants. Now, that's what Vegas did last year, and it didn't hurt them at all. Uh, EA Sports, NHL 19. That game is done at simulation for this season. The Canucks won't be good, according to it, but you didn't really need computing power to figure that out. They have done the entire season right through the playoffs, right to the Stanley Cup champion, so let's see what EA says. In the West, there's your eight playoff teams. This is going rather fast, but the Sharks are the Western Conference champions. In the East, it'll be Leafs and Blue Jackets, really? Okay, Leafs and Sharks for the Cup, and the winner is the Leafs. Wow. I know. Put it in. I don't know. Coming up Not quite Dodger sure I'm going to bet on that just yet. But that's what they say. The Dodgers Stadium, this is the side the National League West Division champion. One game for it all. Loser goes to the wild card game. Cody Bellinger, two-run homer. Dodgers up by a deuce. Next inning, Max Muncie. That's a two-run shot. And the Dodgers win this game, so they win the West. Colorado's in the wild card game. Who will they play? They'll play the loser of this one between the Brewers and the Cubs at Wrigley. Christian Yelich, who had a great season, incredible season. Scores Orlando Arcia. Now it's 1-0 in the third. Anthony Rizzo over the wall. And the partisans in Wrigley go crazy. But that's only a solo shot, so it's 1-1. Lorenzo Kane in the eighth. That's a go-ahead run. 
They'd add one more. Cubs threatening in the ninth. Last chance for Rizzo. He hit a home run earlier. But this ball falls a few feet short of glory. And it's the Brewers who had a great finish to this season. They win the Central. Cubs and Rockies in the wildcard game. Yesterday, Seahawks safety Earl Thomas used his middle finger to tell somebody on the Seahawks sidelines to be fruitful and multiply, but not exactly in those words. That's after he broke his leg during a year which he was in a contract dispute. No, I, didn't, I didn't think it was, I, I don't know exactly what the intention of that was or what, I didn't see it. Uh, I don't know what, what the intention was there. And I'm not jump into conclusions on that, you know, and, and I, there's nothing for us to talk about at this point. Pete doesn't think it was aimed at him, but he doesn't know. Oh. And Earl Thomas hasn't said yet, so no. we wait. Not, not, a, not one of the best moments in sports history. He was just telling say. them that he's number one when it comes to safeties in the NFL. He was just using a different finger for that. Yeah, he, yeah, because, right. yeah, perhaps. Yeah. It's a big birthday for a billionaire. 90 years ago today, one of the most successful businessmen in Canadian history was born. And while Jimmy Pattison began his life in Saskatchewan, he built his empire right here in B.C. What do you get a billionaire for their birthday? <laughs> yeah, uh, a man who has everything. You know, a giant yacht. Well, Global's Linda Ellsworth sat down with Pattison to talk about his very humble beginnings and the drive that keeps him going strong into his 10th decade. This uh, picture was taken at Kenny Bunkport on Barbara's 90th birthday. Barbara, as in Bush. I was fortunate enough to my wife to be invited down there. In his 90 years on this planet, Jim Pattison has met many people and made a lot of friends. We got to know the Reagans quite well. So well that when Ronald Reagan died, his wife Nancy sent him a rather remarkable memento says, I'm very pleased to present you the shell casing number seven, which was used in the final 21-gun salute on June the 11th, 2004. The walls of his downtown Vancouver office are covered with photos of prominent and powerful acquaintances. Is that one of the fun perks of the Yes, job? meeting people that you admire, people that have done great things, and you learn from everybody, but those kind of people are really really special. These two here for regional airplanes. Pattison created and runs the second largest private company in Canada, the Jim Pattison Group. Last year, the 45,000 employee strong company made $10 billion in sales. I have fun going to work every day. At least everybody's different. I just, I prefer going to work. I like what I do and so I just keep doing it. Work, sales in particular, has long been a passion for him. But growing up during the Great Depression also made it a necessity. I had the best parents you could ever get. But the only thing we didn't have was money. But that didn't affect anything. Well, it might have shaped his work ethic. Because if he wanted something, he had to earn it. I started working when I was seven years old on... Uh, selling garden seeds. He sold the ladies' home journal door-to-door, delivered newspapers and groceries, and worked for a while in a CP dining car, all with the goal of one day selling cars. That career began at a small lot as a car washer. And I said, well, if I wash your cars, would you allow me, if the salesman was busy, to speak to your customers? He said yes. His success as a car salesman was immediate. In time, he became a manager. And at Bowl McLean, he came up with a big, brilliant idea that would become a landmark. I talked my bosses into 
giving me the money to build that sign, Beaumark, which is at that time was the largest freestanding electric sign in the world. He eventually opened his own car dealerships, and the money rolled in. Most went back into the business, but not all. So I was always brought up to give 10% of what I made, and, and I always have. At least 10%. Today, the Jim Pattison Foundation donates millions of dollars annually. Last year, he committed $50 million to the Children's Hospital of Saskatchewan and $75 million towards the construction of Vancouver's new St. Paul's Hospital. And then there's the time he's donated. For six years, free of charge, he headed up Expo 86, Vancouver's World's Fair. Supporting him through it all, his wife of 65 years, Mary. Together, they raised three children. The other woman in his life... Did you talk to Maureen this morning yet? For 56 years, Maureen Chant has been his executive assistant. Well, for years, there wasn't a day went by that I didn't cry. I would leave my desk and go in the washroom and cry my heart out, come back and fight him again. <laughs> but I don't cry anymore, Linda. <laughs> now, I, now I do the crying. <laughs> Are you a happy man? Very. I couldn't be happier. I'm happy to get up every morning, and I'm happy to go to bed, and I'm happy to go to work. And, and uh, so I, 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 enjoy, I very much enjoy life. Wow. Man, thanks, Jimmy. Exactly. Not everybody can rock a purple suit, let me tell you that, but he sure does. I wore the purple tie in his honor today, too. All right, uh, very quick weather before we go. Sure, so we do have uh, rain in the forecast tomorrow morning, risk of thunderstorms, but sunshine later on, and tomorrow night is going to be cold, very cold. Thanks for the warning. Happy birthday, Jimmy. Have a good night, all.